This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, just before we get started, if you're loving the podcast, can you please go leave us a five-star review on Spotify and please make sure that you subscribe on whatever channel that you listen to us on. It helps us out dramatically. Never settle. Like in my life, like personally and business, I um, don't ever settle for just like, okay, I'll always strive to do the best I can for anything that I do, whether it's riding a bike or reading a book or whatever. Like I always try and fulfill everything for personally that it's the best I've done. Um, so yeah, get it. Basically go for it. Laura, David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're Thank excited you. to be here. We got here. We did get here. Um, <laughs> we did. Uh, it's we're in the business of podcasting so we definitely understand that you know sometimes people get sick and life gets busy but really excited because um you guys have built such a successful brand over a long period of time and and that's really what they're the conversations i love to have but also obviously um very curious to kind of unpack your story and and um you know share it with our audience as well um so cool what i might get you guys to do is Give a bit of an introduction to both of you, um, the brand, the business, and then I'd love to dive into the startup story. How did, you know, where did it all start? For sure. Do you want to go? I'll go, yeah. So this is Laura, I'm David. Um, we started Barley Body eight years ago now. Um, prior to that, we didn't have any business experience whatsoever. Um, and yeah, we built the brand from, from the ground up uh, with just us two to begin with, doing every single facet of the business for at least 12 months. And... By that, I mean literally everything, like from manufacturing to fulfillment to customer service to marketing, everything. Um, the hustle was real. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah, so yeah. it was the stress. Um, and yeah, we've built it up over the last eight years to be what it is today and we're, and we're super proud of it, yeah. Our roles in the business, so I look after the marketing, or I head the marketing um, with our marketing manager. Um, she's got a marketing team. I look after a lot of the MPD development um, with our MPD manager. Um, <coughs> oversee a lot of um, different facets in the operational space, um, looking at demand and um, some retail um, focused as well. Um, so we kind of had, we have split roles, uh, mm. which is good because I feel like from early on, um, we're husband and wife as well as business partners. So you can imagine we spend all our time together. Um, so it was super important for us to have clear direction and where we were going to, you know, operate the business. So we kind of split that early and um, both have different roles within the business. There is always crossover um, from a direction point of view and um, growth, but day to day our roles are separate, which is nice. So that's kind of what I do um, in the business. And Dave, what do you do? I do sort of oversee operations. Um, I work as a managing director, so I work closely with our general manager, our head of operations, um, all regulatory side of things, expansion into new markets, oversee retail operations quite a bit. So yeah, it's, um, both of us are spread very thin across the entire business. So there's, there's no part of it that we're not across at the moment. I, I love, um, so I mean, I'm in a very similar position. So we're talking about my partner off yeah. air, um, but she's also my business partner. Yeah. Um, so we, we do this together and, and in very similar situations. So yeah. can understand the journey um, yeah. and, and also understand why you position that way as well. And, and yeah. obviously you have different skill sets and, yeah. Yeah, and they complement yeah. each other really well. Yeah, yeah we've been um, lucky. Yeah, it's been good. The startup story. I'd love to ha- yes. hear how it all got started. And because yeah. the thing I find really interesting is um, you mentioned that you obviously you didn't own businesses prior. Yeah, no. no, so neither of us had come from, a, um, I guess, a, a business background as such. We both had jobs outside of an entrepreneurial space and um, Dave was a carpenter and I worked in insurance for nearly 10 years, so completely different mm-hmm. um, businesses. Um, I was moving to Bali on a career break um, and met Dave out at a bar and we hit it off. Not in Bali. Not in Prior Bali. To in, <laughs> in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we hit it off, but I was already venturing over to Bali um, by myself just to take a break and do something different. Um, met Dave, and we kind of said, "Oh, we want to start a business." It was when you know IG was so fresh, and there mm. was you know minimal businesses in the space, you know, playing in the field of selling product to customers. Um, so it was that very early days of when Instagram, you could 
you know, post something, they can get 5,000 followers the next morning. Like, that algorithm's completely different now. It's a completely different space, you know. Mm-hmm. Bas- basically got to, pl- you know, pay to play in that space now. But um, we identified at the time, you know, this is happening. We want to get on this space. Let's move to Bali with the mind that we'll take an actual break and actually have a holiday there. Got there, next minute, came up with a business plan. This is what we want to do. Our original product that we have is a um, tanning and body oil. I still to this day get eczema. So it's a product that I used to use personally for eczema. We would just make it up and pour all the different oils in and I'd use it for tanning and a hydration product really to Mm. cure eczema. Um, Did that there. We thought, hang on, this is a pretty cool thing. People want to know about it. People are interested in it. So we decided to make that our first product and we're in Bali, so we called it Bali Body. So it was as simple as that. and then we evolved the business there and spent our career break doing a holiday, planning our whole Bali Body business. So we ended up working seven days a week, having no break at all. Um, <coughs> got the business to a point where we couldn't actually do anything more in Bali, um, production-wise and planning, Wi-Fi. It was just a mess. Like, mm, it's just too hard. Too hard to do it. Yeah. And this was this would have been how long ago now? This was 2014. Diff- Bali was a different beast then as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We were yeah. living in Changu, yeah. um, which I don't know if you've been to Bali in the last few years, but it's completely different now. Yeah, it's saturated. Right. It's Kuda, Bali, um, Changu's Kuda. Um, so, yeah, we it was really chill over there back then and um, Wi-Fi was a bit difficult. And, yeah, so we anyway, came back here and um, that's where we were able to really make the business thrive. Was there an element? So I love the I love the product. I think yeah. you know I, I get to I'm lucky enough to have a, a lot of really great conversations here, and and a lot of the best products that you kind of see on the market are born out of this need that say mm-hmm. the the founder or the you know the person who kind of came up with it there was a need there, and they yep. were either using it or they kind of built it for themselves. Yep. Um, I guess one of my questions is is I know Bali Body was just a name that kind of came about because of. Um, Obviously, you guys uh, created the business plan in Bali, but yep. do you think that, like, when you look back at it now in hindsight, do you think there was an element of, like, Bali as a brand growing? And, and so then that kind of ties in as well with what, you know, obviously you guys built a great product, but then, you know, was there an element of that to it? I think the um, brand as such has an overarching, like, feel of um, vacation and luxury and like you know the products take you to a happy place and give you that you know bronze lifestyle no matter where you are and I think the name really transports people to that mm. feeling of that you know, state, of mind, the yeah. state of mind we're trying to capture that um but there was never there was always yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> so, so so is that something that you guys did in the early days where obviously you had the name Bali Body and then you guys kind of said then that you were trying to recapture that feel that look yeah, and feel absolutely, yeah. around the brand I think it went hand in hand with the product that we created yep. as a, a sun care product that Laura needed while we were in Bali that didn't exist um, we then formulated that product ourselves and then sort of just um, yeah, made sense to, to include Bali body or include Bali in the brand name because it does transports you yeah, yeah, to a nice place. It encapsulates that summer sort of tropical vibes that we're yeah. trying to put across and the sun care product is obviously relevant. So and it really flows off the tongue as well. Like just yeah. it, it looks pleasing and it, and it sounds really nice as well. Catchy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, I mean, I can, you can kind of, I mean, again, in hindsight, you look back and go, wow, like it, it, with everything that's gone on in the world, you know, to date and Bali's growth, but you guys would have, you know, from a, a branding perspective, done yeah. such a great job with it. But yeah. Um, it, I really do think that it's such a great name for a product, yeah, um, and I think is. like it's that's a really important element to yeah. to business as well. Yeah. Like you can yeah. have a great product and you name it wrong, and and you're done, and it doesn't <laughs> pop. I agree. Yeah. It has to be catchy. Catchy. Yeah. Have to remember it. Yeah, it's really funny. Like so, with pivotal conversations, yeah. um, I remember I actually had a mentor at the time, and he said, "No, like you you can't name it this," mm. um, and and like. I look back now and I go, I wonder if we didn't name it that. Would, would it be? It, would it be? You yeah. know what I mean? So I'd love for to unpack, obviously you guys, I'm seeing a lot of growth in the early days as well. Yeah. Um, and, and you were, I know that social media probably did play a, a large role in that in the early days as well. But I'd yeah. love for you guys to unpack maybe two or three things that you think really helped you grow, you know, in those early days, you know, let's say years one to three, mm-hmm. um, what, re- you know, if you can kind of, I know it's not, it's never one or two or three things, but what were some of the really the important ones. things that 
really helped it get off the ground? Um, I yeah, think Instagram no. is probably yeah, ins- yeah, first Instagram. and foremost. Yeah, the yeah. way that we leveraged that from even when we were still in Bali, sort of creating the brand, we started using it immediately. Laura um, really pushed the envelope on that platform in regards to posting content that got great engagement and building our following before we even launched the brand or sold any products we were using that platform to to get a following and get a community um and then even after launch yeah and even today we still leverage it as best um, as possible people think sometimes it's easy to get it in get an instagram account get a business idea post a couple of times and they'll see you know, a revenue stream Results, come down yeah. or a result come down later. But that's not really, that's not at all what it is. And it never has been that. So we launched our um, brand on July 27th, 2014. So we launched our Instagram at that time. From that day on till today, we've posted five times per day for the last eight years on Instagram and never missed a post. So we're super consistent in our messaging. Messaging is a huge part of business success, consistent messaging. Um, from a branding perspective, everything visually look, looking well. Um, and I think really mapping out from the get-go was important why we were successful is we identified that this is our platform, Instagram, you know, obviously then it's become TikTok and blah, 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 but at the start it was just purely Instagram. We identified that we want to be a global brand from the start mm. and we took key influences from, literally, Dave and I got out a map and picked key influencers from different parts of the world, Germany, United States, you know, everywhere around the world. And we targeted UK, all those different people, those high-end influencers at the time, who probably aren't even around now, most of them, but they were back then. Um, they were influential and it was a lot different space. Obviously, those big influencers could post something and you would make a direct ROI because, you know, people, it was still new, whereas now it's kind of gone through more like a micro you know, the micro-influencers post and that's more attractive to the everyday person. But back then it was it was heavily focused on those big influencers. So we'd pick influencers from different parts of the world, send them product, make little packs in Bali, send them out product. Mm, I remember we used those little silver barley trays. Yeah, which now we would They put their blessings never in. Use. We were taking them and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not taking them, we were buying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And putting our little products in with we'd a little like... We'd run to DHL. We made a little sarong. Mm. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, my God. Looking back on it. <laughs> And then FedExed it around the world and yeah. then hoped they would post. And yeah. most of them did. It was most great. Most of them did, yeah. So just building that um, global um, footprint from the start. Instagram 100% played a, a pivotal part in having our brand succeed um, and consistency of posting on the account. You know, it's once you're on, you're on. It's it's every day. It's not just here, there. That's what I think sometimes can get lack from brands, thinking, you know, it's once a week and that'll suffice. It's not the case. And always being responsive to your community, I guess. If people are commenting or asking questions or yeah. writing messages, you're there responding. You're not leaving it for days on end and then getting back to them when you're ready. It's it's a it's a grind, definitely. That's really impressive. The five times a day for eight yeah, years. And I mean, Laura did that herself for what, four or five years. Yeah, four I years. did for three years. Seven days a week, yeah. I'd be out at 11 p.m. having an espresso and be like, oh, alarm, post. So, like, the dedication is legit. Um, and that's the love for the brand that I have. Like, that, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, wow. It's so true. Like, I look back to um, in the early days of what we were doing and, like, same thing. Like, I'd be sitting there. And I remember I used to do it in my bathroom and just sit on the toilet. Yeah. And I'd <laughs> be posting a TikTok yeah. trying to find the right song yeah, yeah. for like 25 minutes. <laughs> it's um, a peace and quiet. Yeah, uh, and did that in the early days. But you're very, you're very correct on that. Um, I'd love for you, you mentioned messaging. And yeah. I think I really love that point. Um, but I'd love for you to unpack how you guys did it, you know. So from your perspective in the early days, you mm-hmm. had, you know, because I think we just talked about it. You had your product. Yep. You kind of talked about product name and how that's going to, you know, the look and feel of the brand. Mm -hmm. How does that then relay from a messaging perspective and and more, you know, strategically, um, how did you guys create that messaging? And then what are some of those lessons for other people potentially with their business as well? Tricky one. Uh, The messaging was always, as we said, sort of trying to capturing that tropical sort of vibe. Um, But there was also a strong element of being natural and, using natural ingredients in our products our our first product was 100 percent natural Mm -hmm. and even today we're focusing on natural ingredients as much as possible Um, but back then those types of products were you could make them 100 percent natural and that was a major call out for us so that was constant in our messaging um natural sunshine tropical sort of 
Um, yeah, really portraying a, a sunny state of mind for yeah. the person who's so obviously, as we said early on, that we had a global outreach from the start. So hemisphere is obviously completely different here to you know North Hem. So making sure that we could capture that it was a sunny state of mind no matter the season. So yep. the feeling of the product, the look and feel, the brand name brings you that. If you get your package and it's 17 and rainy, you know, it still takes you to that happy place because the branding has already been portrayed about the whole the journey that the customers until they get the product. Yeah, we had people in Sweden and Switzerland and it's minus 10 and they were using the tanning the of body oil just, so just that for they the, could get the that smell because it it's quite a high content of coconut oil in the product so they yeah. just loved using it over winter yeah just to make them feel like they're somewhere warm yeah wow i love that and so um correct me if i'm wrong uh, but it sounds like the reason you went to be a global brand in the first place was because of the seasonal nature to the product? Yeah, so obviously, yeah, exactly. So there's only so many people in Australia. If we didn't have that outreach from the start, um, the brand wouldn't be the success that it is today. Um, It's always been at the forefront of all of our thinking. Everything that we do is from a global standpoint. We have, you know, global 3PLs around the whole world. So that we have, you know, one in LA, one in UK, one in the Netherlands. We're about to open up an Israel third uh, 3PL as well. So we can have that quick and fast service to all our customers globally um, so they can get their product in two days. So. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so so uh, 3PL is the way the business is run <coughs> Uh, you know, just period. In regards to fulfillment, yeah. Fulfillment, wow, yeah. I love yeah. that. Yep. We wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Well, no. we don't have the margins in our products to be able to fulfill all of everything from Australia using DHL Express. It's too expensive. So we have to utilise postal networks globally. And to utilise them, you have to be in the country. And it's too timely. Um, yeah. We offer free shipping. Australia. Free shipping's been a major factor for us, calling that out and, and yep. giving that to customers <coughs> on vast majority of orders. Um and you can't give free shipping from Australia long term. It's just not viable. So to like really hit up those markets like US and UK, you need to be in those countries and you can get the customers their product in one or two days. Yeah. I really love this because we're getting both the marketing and the <laughs> operational yeah. side. Yeah. I really love it. <laughs> um, I guess a, an operational question then because this is really, I think, fundamentally a strategy mm-hmm, kind correct. of question, yeah. right? Like it's all what the topic we're talking about is strategy. And mm. so I think a lot of people get mixed up between, say, like the work, especially if you don't have, say, you haven't been in business for long or you, you don't have the education behind you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get mixed up between strategy and marketing strategy. Yeah. And so from a strategic perspective, there was there's a few kind of key words that you use there, like obviously free shipping, um, the ability to be global. Like mm-hmm. I, you're right. Like um, can you explain, I guess, the uh, the reasoning behind why you went 3PL and how that works with margins and mm-hmm. and especially being wanting to be a global brand as well like there's a relationship between all Correct. three of those kind of pillars there yep. yeah we couldn't keep up with fulfillment when we were you know majority of our orders initially were in Australia with US closely following but yeah. um, we were fulfilling everything our- ourselves from the start mm-hmm. and so we needed to find someone to to do that for us and so we found a partner in in Melbourne fulfillment center and we, and we used them and then they freed up our time to work on the rest of the business dave would i be running to um oz post back in the day and would have huge tubs and would be you know, i think they shut at 4 30 or something for yeah. the last drop so we'd do a drop in the morning come back and i ended up getting those little um bunnings cut so i could take the tubs down because my arms would get sore so <laughs> we'd go down do a drop put the products in, come back, pack all the orders, do all the customer service, get the next drop, get it back to the post office. Obviously, that wasn't sustainable long time, yeah. oh, long term, sorry. So It's not sustainable for growth. And it's not a growth, yeah. You can't grow sending from Australia Post for a business that has to, everyone globally is a, um, a now culture. So, and this is not, na- this isn't now either. This is from years ago too. Mm. Everyone wants everything now. So, mm. you have to... Have to make the business grow, we had we identified we need to be in this market, this market, this market. Obviously, we looked at where our orders are heavily, and we staggered that process. It wasn't like all of a sudden on Monday we're doing all these three PLs. It's timely, it's costly. Yeah, it takes a long time to it takes vet a long time and go through their proposal and make sure finding the right three PL is one of the trickiest things in operations. I think um, we just yeah. got a new one in Netherlands in Europe and. That was a long process because there's so mm-hmm. many countries in Europe, so many different shipping options, shipping pricing, all that sort of stuff. So and who it takes a long time. Um, a B2B customer, so yeah. a business-to-business customer, and then a B2C customer, so a business-to-business-to-business. 
you know, a retailer or a business direct customer. So they have to facilitate both those operations, which not every 3PL does. Yeah, a lot of them are just focused on direct to consumer, yeah. just e-com brands, which yeah. is fine. But for us, that doesn't work. Um, and then, yeah, so we identified which market we want to actually have a real crack at, which was US. We we're getting traction there already. Um, and yeah, we want if you really want to have a crack at it, you've got to give them a good level of service to make them come back for more. So that then made us find a 3PL in California and we've been with that same 3PL for mm. six years now, I think. Yeah, yeah. and again, bringing it back to the messaging, the messaging has always been free and fast shipping. That's been a huge seller um, for us as a brand. It's like driving in that you can get it now. Um, yeah. You know that now culture's there. So you can have it now and it's free. It's on your door within two days and that's really crucial to our brand and our success as well. Is that something you guys, like uh, I know, um, like you create these strategic pillars, yep. if that makes sense. Is yep. that something that you guys do consciously with, say, some of these things like free and fast shipping? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Those things are pivotal in that they're so important to the success of the brand, um, having strong um, messaging and strong foundations that we can offer the customers, um, free shipping or as we've grown the brand and the, uh, the product range, um, it's not always possible because we have DG products now. I'm not sure if you know what that Aeros is. Dangerous goods, dangerous aerosols. Goods, yeah, okay. Aerosols, so they yeah. can't actually go via the air. They have to go on a courier service. So that, that has another complexity added to it in the warehousing and, and the global point of view. So um, hence our need to open up an Israeli 3PL. So that's been a huge process. We've been working on that for around 18 months to open up a, a port in Israel that can ship our orders because that was a, a huge market from us from the start in 2014. Um, and as we haven't been able to offer that product offering over the last few years, as our SKU range has changed, um, you can see it has slowly dropped off. So we've made a strategic decision to open up a warehouse over there and um, be able to offer those customers back to free and fast shipping. So you can see how heavily the messaging plays a part in sales in a, in a region. Mm. Mm. So interesting. I love it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so one of the questions I had as well was, obviously you guys seen a massive strength of yours in the social media side. So you mentioned it before where it was like um, the reason you, you guys wanted to go 3PL because you thought, hey, there's opportunity here. We're really good at this and we probably want to spend more time doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely to free up resources. Like if you spend all day packing orders, you've got no time to actually run the business. Packing orders is not <clears throat> technically a difficult task. Um, so you're better to outsource it to companies that are built for that. And yeah. these days, like if, especially after going through Black Friday, Cyber Monday that we just went through, like there's thousands and thousands of orders globally. It's just impossible to keep up with that unless you've got your own big warehouse here in Australia. And even still, it's the, the volume uh, is impossible to get through at a timely manner. Remember, everything's yeah. about time and getting <clears throat> to, to the customer on time. So the expectations are they want their product tomorrow. Um, using your own fulfillment centre, unless you had 500 people working and it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. It's a whole other, do your own warehousing is a whole other operation. Yeah, 3PL really for an online global brand is the only, only way to go. Yeah, wow, I love it. That's really insightful. Um, Thank you. I think, no, because I think it's like, um, obviously there's, there's more than one way to do it. And I think with you guys, because you have such high volume, like it, it's interesting to see potentially the difference between what you guys sell and say maybe like apparel or something yeah i was like about that. to say yeah, fashion apparel, yeah. there's a lot of fashion brands that do their own fulfillment yes and it does work then they have a higher margin in their products so they can, they can afford to give that dhl express level yep. of shipping and it still gives a satisfactory service level to the customer they still get it in two to three days if they're Absolutely. on the other side of the world which is amazing um but our profit margins are lower our products are 20 30 bucks you can't charge $20 for shipping when someone's paying $25 for a product. It yeah, just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't equate. equate at all. I think there's a great uh, insight there into the relationship between, or the, the I guess the type of product, like between um, a demand and margin and so yeah, on. Like, absolutely. You know, like you mentioned it before with, with fashion, it's obviously there, there's a much larger profit margin there. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously... Uh, I mean, it's always relative to the company, but there's always going to be a discrepancy in demand. Yeah. You know, like higher, um, I mean, the best companies in the world have both, right? But, yeah. you know, like um, Apple as an example, but it's it's great to get that insight um, mm. where it's like you have high volume. I think just understanding that relationship as a business owner is something yeah. that um, 
it's tricky to get. You don't do well. it in the early days. No. Like nobody does no, it in the no, early no. days. You we had no idea when we started. We yeah. we literally picked and packed everything. Like we would pour the bottles ourselves. We would go get all the mix from Coles ourselves. Like we did everything. Wow. We made the be product. Flying filled around. the product. The only thing we didn't do is make the packaging. Yeah. That's because we we designed the, our mould and everything for our packaging in the early days ourselves, um, which also played a, a key part in again. Yeah, I was going to say that, as, but also one of the key, like you mentioned, two or three key things that got the brand off the ground I think having unique um, easily identifiable packaging was one of the key strengths initially yeah. along with the brand name it was catchy and people remember it the packaging was visually appealing and and easily identifiable mm. as barley body packaging yeah it was a nightmare the actual bottle itself but yeah. um, visually it looked good and yeah. really like it from someone who was doing a startup try and I know it's hard because everyone takes inspiration from other people, but really try and um, make it your own. Because if you're just going to copy someone else's model, or it, it won't have longevity in it. It has to be unique because you might be able to get through this one thing that you've done and it's gone okay. But like the next stages, business isn't just about this one stage. It's a continual process if you want you know, growth. And every stage needs to be a fresh mindset of what's good for your business and how your bi- that'll take your business to the next level rather than drawing inspiration from other people all the time. Yeah, because otherwise you just become a commodity, right? Exactly. Yes, yeah. And the de- I mean, you know, the deeper you, you guys have gotten into business... Um, it's always about layers as well. Like how can we get a little bit of competitive advantage yep. in the market and 100%. just keep adding layers and layers Absolutely. and layers. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Guys, if you're loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot, give us a tag or even take a photo if you're watching it. Give us a tag, help spread the love. It helps us out dramatically. Guys, I want to say a massive thank you to our major sponsors, BizCover. I was driving home the other night and I thought to myself, wow, we have so much stuff in the studio that is extremely valuable and if anything ever happened to her I would never be able to forgive myself so I needed contents insurance by the time I got home within 20 minutes I was insured there was no paperwork and it was literally one of the easiest processes I've ever gone through and that's the beauty of BizCover they'll give you the best price uh, there's no paperwork involved and it's truly so easy so whether it's public liability professional indemnity or even like me contents insurance biz covers you go to when it comes to getting your company insured and making sure Uh, that nothing ever comes to get you in the future. So if you want to get your company insured and check them out, the link to their website is in the show notes. I've been a customer now for seven years and it's for good reason. Check them out. Um, So you guys, uh, what I'm really interested in is um, in the early days, I mean, the impressive stat on the social media is (laughs) I'm still quite blown away by it, um, but I think it's a testament to where the numbers are. Thank you. Um, But I'd love, I mean, I think we've got a good idea of what it was in the early days, Mm -hmm. but I'd almost love to touch on how you guys are looking at it now because yep. I think you both have great business minds and, and I'm sure you're innovating on that side of the fence now as well. Yeah. Um, what are like say two, what one or two or you know potentially three things from a social media perspective that um, you think are really important and maybe they're principles so maybe the same rules apply from, from years ago but mm-hmm. how are you guys looking at it now as well as a brand who you know, is is a seasoned brand now in terms of, you know, you're not, it's not a new company, it's not a new startup, but mm. you still have to, to, to really keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I think, well, social media um, is huge in our, in our business. It's, you know, drives a lot of our revenue. <clears throat> so um, being um, relevant is critical for the business. Um, Instagram is still a success. It's still a huge success for our business um, from an organic point of view and a paid a paid space. But um, TikTok is obviously huge now. So um, I think I saw that you know anyone who wants to look at to look how to tie your hair up, you go to TikTok. Like it's not so much my gen, but the younger generations are like that. Um, they use it like Google. It's yeah, like a it's yeah. a Google like we platform. Use Google, they you know? search for stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but always staying relevant, um, shooting new content is super important for us. We have a, a, studio, a studio at our HQ so we can shoot continuously. Um, we have dedicated people who do content within the business and that can be like a full content day creating content that's fresh and exciting to be used across the platforms. Um, <coughs> sorry. No, you're right. Yeah, so TikTok, um, Instagram and then obviously... Um, social media in terms of leveraging influencers is something huge that we've always done as we said from the get-go we used influencers and we do to this day um, whether it's in you know paid space or a a gifting situation but having um, those people on on brand for us is super important in terms of social media and growing the accounts Um, (coughs) probably 
again, coming back to the strategy for our brand is every single day we still post five times a day and try to have a diverse range of content that's posted in whether it's a how-to or a babe at the beach or it's a before and after an application video, all those things are um, strategically thought about every single day. So we have someone who looks after our Instagram account and every, every platform has a, a manager managing the account. Yeah, well, oh, interesting. So, so not one person managing, um, say, one plat uh, all platforms. It's it's actually <coughs> a bit more not. democratized. Absolutely. So every single account has a um, person who runs every single account. So TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, um, every every they're account. They're all very different, aren't they? They're all very different. They're all the platforms, the algorithms, everything's different in them. The type of things that people want to see and that they engage in per account is also completely mm. different. And it's always so changing. That's the other challenge. Is identifying when the trends sort of change and making sure that you're keeping up to staying abreast yeah yeah keeping I up guess with that it. talks to why you need to have it a little bit more democratized right yeah. yes absolutely so yeah. that the fingers on the pulse yep. yeah you can't yep. just schedule your posts and that's it for the month yeah no we have like we have full reporting every single day on how the, each post across every platform performs insights from that pivots what we do after that if it's not performing what do we do strategy changes every day that's wow. an always on situation at Bali Body. I love it. And I think even me now, like I'm starting to see, I mean, again, like I really do enjoy having these conversations, but I think it's great to get insight into how you guys have built your business. And it seems just from an outsider looking in that it's very much, we think our strength is here um, and, and we, you know, like studio in the, in the HQ. So yeah. we would rather, you know, make potentially invest um, you know, like some, like like you said, some apparel companies will have um, distribution at their HQ. Yeah. Um, but you guys have gone more down the route of creative marketing yep. and so on. And yep. then from an operational perspective, um, you know, making sure the numbers fit from a three PL perspective to mm -hmm. keep the global brand. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. So yeah, cool. It's been good. <laughs> Love yeah. it. It's been a journey, hasn't it? Sure has. Yeah. Extremely We've stressful. Loved it, though. it has been stressful, <clears throat> but a good stress. Yeah. The kind of stress that makes you thrive. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I mean, look, yeah. it, and, and I think uh, you guys can probably attest to it is that um, uh, you just get better at handling the stress. Oh, Absolutely. definitely. Yeah, I 100%. agree. 100%. That's like key. <laughs> we used to think it was the end of the world when yeah. things went wrong, and they always went wrong because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, now, very little worries me in <laughs> regards to business, and a lot of it's bigger than it ever was back then. Uh, but you just yeah, learn take it in your stride. It, yeah. yeah. We've yeah. had that many roadblocks, like along the way, like things that we think this is it, we can't do it anymore. Like, you know, we're not going to get past this, or this is not fixable. But then you, we pivot and we find a way. Like that's part of our, I guess, our mantra that like there is, there's no option. Like you know, you have to keep going. Like you know, just get it, get it done, really. And yeah. that's been a part of our success as well. There'd be situations in the early days where the packaging would be leaking. Um, obviously, again, sending globally and air freighting and things like that. Oil is such a hard product to keep inside a bottle. It's worse than water. It's worse than any kind of liquid that you can have. So a tiny little um, you know, gap in the top of the lid would make the whole product pour out so the customer would get their order and it would all be leaked everywhere. So conversations like that would happen. Can you imagine getting an oily envelope in the mail? Yeah, just <laughs> shocking. Some of the emails we got were pretty full on. Um, Again, and there'd be you know, 20,000, 30,000 of those units sitting there. Um, yeah, so we've been filled. Yeah, filled or empty bottles that we know are faulty. Um, and we've had to sort of <coughs> figure out a solution on how to make them not faulty. And that's <laughs> yeah, was an effort. Yeah, so stress. And, and many a times, you know, had we not had that, you know, determined personality, it would have been like, well, let's let's not worry about it. Let's, yeah, let's just let give it go up, yeah. and give up. But it wasn't a part of our nature to do that. And um, it's been, it's actually been a benefit later on because as you said, like, nothing really gets us to the point where like we can get stressed but we know we'll find a solution for it and I think in our business that's like the motto in the whole business. What's your advice then to someone who potentially has their business right now and maybe feels like giving up or you know the stress is getting to them mm. um, and, and you know they, they may not be in a great headspace with it like because I think that's something that everybody goes through at in of their course. business, you know, like especially in the early days, it is yep. so hard to get something to off the ground. Yep. What would what advice would you guys have? Uh, take a breath. Yeah, take a breath. Yeah. Um, believe in yourself. Remember why you started it in the first place, and um, and ask for help. Probably yeah. another thing is ask for help. Like, um, don't try and if you know, 
utilize whoever you can and whatever you can to get a resolution or get an outcome out of the issue and you know write it all down do this is you know this this works this doesn't and then get a solution out of that and and really utilize you know help as well so we'd be calling on friends and family at the time like this has happened we need help can everyone come in here and you know would work a whole weekend with friends and family filling new bottles, posting them out, and even later on down the track when we weren't doing things ourselves, it might be a, a technical issue from a, um, a skew point in the back of the shop and it's wrecked an offer that we had where you know, all these customers were getting free product or the wrong product, whatever the situation is, would always call on help to, um, to get us out of this, the bad situation we were in. Um, and then, yeah, really strategize, this is the problem, can it be fixed? One, if it can, great, work out a way there. Or if it can't, it can't. Now, what can we do? to yeah, you know, move forward. Move forward. If, yeah. if you believe in your product or your service that you're offering, then yeah, there's always a way. I think transparency is really important as well, um, f from yourself to a customer. Mm. So, um, expectations. You know, if if something is going to be a delayed production, or if there is going to be you know, you you know that you've sold over X amount of what you really have, or anything like that. Transparency is huge with customers, and I think they yeah, really resonate. Yeah, be honest. There's nothing worse than emailing a company and they don't respond to you for two weeks, and then they do, and you're like, oh, here's you're shipping your order next day, or just they just don't deal with the situation. Whereas yeah. we've always been like, if there's an issue and the customer <coughs> comes to us, we get back to them ASAP, literally as fast as humanly possible, and we tell them what the situation is. Um, and try and work through them with it. It doesn't always satisfy people, but you can't it's better than just completely ignoring the situation, which is yeah. what a lot of lot of companies do, which mm. is frustrating. Mm. It's and it would it would be so big in what you guys do as well, especially at the volume. Yeah, yeah. B two C or e commerce with, I guess, lower value products, twenty to thirty dollars. That's the volume of orders. So it's a lot of different transactions, a lot of different customers to deal with. If you were to look back at your journey. Um, what do you think people don't know about business that holds them back? So, because obviously you learn a lot and being in business, every year you're learning something, you know, more, a lot of new things and, and you're learning how to manage and deal with things differently and, yeah. and you know, a, in a more effective way. But what do you think people don't know about business that actually holds them back from, from progressing? Uh, good question. They maybe don't see the full range of opportunities on hand for for their product or their service, so they might be channeling their their attention into a specific sales channel or opportunity. Whereas there could be a lot of different opportunities available at the same time, so they could be missing out on a lot of revenue. Mm. Um, and obviously, having that that prior knowledge or that know how is a is a big thing. But when you haven't done it before, you're not really aware of all the opportunities out there. What what kind of mindset do you need for that? Because I think that's a that's a mental thing. Like mm. I know, um, be very open-minded. Um, don't just box yourself into one way of thinking about about what you're doing. Um, look at what other brands are doing. There's yeah, lots. Have of a holistic approach yeah. to keep an the eye on, on other brands that are your competitors. Like they're they're your competitors. They're the number ones for a reason. What are they doing that's working? You know, are you doing that? Are you competing in the same space? Are you next to their product on shelf? That sort of thing. Um, Something that springs to mind. Yeah. Did you? No, I don't have fun. <laughs> nothing. What about from a marketing perspective? Like, is it is there something you um, you oh, look at so and much. go, you know, potentially, um, you know, is there anything from a marketing perspective that you think people might hold them back? Like, you know, potentially. I like guess resources. I guess or um, skill sets. Really. Um, Utilizing all the different types of marketing yeah, available potentially yeah. instead of just focusing like you know maybe eight years ago I guess we were focusing on Instagram initially mm. only basically but we learned over time about email marketing and paid ads and all that sort of stuff yeah so yeah having that knowledge um, helps yeah I think a big one is like the output so mm. like just from listening to what you did or you guys did sorry like from a marketing perspective like mm. like five times a day you know mm. like it's not and I think the the brand relevance thing, like I think, I honestly think that um, if you're trying to grow your brand, it's it really is a game of who can who can get the most output. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and and obviously it has to be quality, and you can yeah. improve. But when you have that much output, like the difference is, is like you had twenty five, probably you know if you're doing seven days a week, it's mm -hmm. it's thirty five posts to yep. to learn from. Whereas yep. if you're only doing maybe two or three. 
you're only having that those two or three. So yeah, your, ability, your ability, your yeah. ability to kind of, and that's why output's probably yeah. really, really important. True. Yeah. 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 You have to. Um, yeah. I guess it's output, but then assessing. It's not just output and see you later. It's assessing what happens from the output. So mm, what, worked and what works work. and, and yeah, pivoting and analyzing that information. Yeah. Mm. So uh, what, one thing I love about um, the, the again my journey on the <coughs> podcast is everybody has such a unique way at looking at business. Mm-hmm. You know, so and everybody has such a unique story as well. Um, I'd love to. And, and I always ask this question as if you were starting again today, you okay. know, so if you guys were starting again from scratch today in a startup, how would you go about it? You know, like what is your philosophy on, on business? Would you do it the exact same as what you did? Um, like, let's say we were launching a product from scratch right now. Mm. What, where are you putting your focus first? What are your priorities? And, and knowing what you know now compared to what you did in the beginning, yep. how would you go about it? Interesting. Yeah, you go. You got an answer. I think a hundred percent. Still, it comes down to the branding and marketing. Um, that's essential for any brand to succeed. That you've got. First of all, working out your sales channel. That would probably be the, the first thing. If I look in, the, you know, I was about to sell a bottle of water, a rebranded bottle of water. What would I do with it? Where would I want to put it? Is it a grocery product? Is it a retail product? Is it online? Once I work out, you know, that strategy, then we would look at. You know, where does the marketing funnel into and how, how can we have that brand message that's going to be engaging and make people want to reinvent and buy a bottle of water that you can buy 50 other bottles of water mm-hmm. What's the point of difference? What's the point of difference and how is this actually going to, you know, get people to purchase it um, through marketing, through social media, no matter what, even though Instagram's old, it's still relevant, you know, like people still jump on Instagram and, you know, go shopping rather than going to Google or sometimes even going to stores. Some people hate going to a store and shopping. They always go on their phone and shop that way. So definitely marketing, working out where the product actually sits and where it, where it's good for the user. Yeah, how, how it's positioned in the market. Is yeah. it a premium product? Is it a mass distribution product? Um, definitely a lot more structured than when we started. Whereas but in saying like that, like, like we hustled to make everything work. <coughs> and I don't think if we, if we didn't hustle and we didn't do everything ourselves, our business wouldn't be a success because mm-hmm. we had to ride all those journeys and all those failures to succeed eventually. Um, and really under- it's made us get like so much knowledge on every single business factor because we've done it all ourselves. It's not like from the get-go we outsourced all our marketing or outsourced three PLs. We understand every intricate detail of the business because we've done it. I think that's something we said. We said that recently. Like if we started again, we would still do it all ourselves again. For a period. Like if we if we didn't have (laughs) yeah, if we didn't have the knowledge prior, we would still want ourselves to do it all ourselves again. Yeah. So that you learn. It's the only way you'll fully understand your business. If you go straight in, outsource your fulfillment, outsource your manufacturing, you're like, that's great. But what do you know about that part of your business? It's a huge element. Like it's how your product is made or it's how your product is being dispatched to your customer. Do you know what's going on there or Mm. not? Because if you don't, you're coming up short, I think. The other thing um, is people. Obviously, we haven't really touched on that yet in terms of the business, but our staff are what make our business. So Definitely. if we didn't have the people within our, st- uh, within our team, uh, we couldn't thrive to where we are today. Each, each person is such an important player um, in the success of Barley Body. Um, and so like early days, it's hard to say, like in an ideal world, you'd say, yeah, I'd just hire heaps of people and would all make it successful, but that revenue stream isn't there to be able to do that. So um, maybe identifying two or three key people that will make the business successful is also really important, important at the start. So you can say, yeah, I definitely need a customer service person or I definitely need someone in marketing to run socials. So identifying whatever pocket spend that you have, a key person who can help you grow the business is, is really important. Knowing the value of, of your team members, definitely, yeah, yeah. crucial. Um, I feel that... That's, that was going to be one of my next questions around the process of, say, scaling out a business. Yep. Um, and, and obviously, people is the most important thing when it comes to Same. doing that. Um, and it's also the most difficult thing yep. to do. You know, yeah. not only because you've got to pick the right people um, and, and that's your hiring process, but then you've also got to be able to manage them. Mm. And that's an internal deal with your own shit kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So. I'd love to Can't you guys say to that. touch. <laughs> I'd love for you guys to touch on, I guess, how you guys look at that. You know, yeah. how do you guys, um, you know, maybe maybe it's unpacking um, how you guys think about hiring uh, yeah. and what you look for in people, um, but also how do you manage people? Like, 
what are some yeah. of the biggest lessons that you've learned about yourselves mm. on that journey? Because I know that that's definitely something that if you're in business long enough, it's, it's something that definitely happens. Yeah, absolutely. We, we hire once there's a need for that resource. Definitely, we don't hire before that demand is there. We always want to make sure that if we're hiring someone for a role, they're completely fulfilled and, and busy in that role. They're not going to be sitting at their desk you know, for half the day with nothing to do because they're going to get bored and not be content and they're not going to last. So we'll, when we do hire, we're always trying to look forward a long way. Is this person going to be content in this role or are they going to be content in this place in the, in the department and do they have that ambition to grow and succeed in the business? They're not just going to come in and be um, unhappy in a few months and then move on because it's a waste of everyone's time. So that's a big part of our hiring process and then trying to find people that are um, the right fit um, for the size of our business and the types of tasks that we do all plays a part as well. Um, I think at Bali Body you're either there for forever or you're in and out quick. There's a, our culture is we work hard, we play hard. So um, there has been you know, some turnover naturally like there is in any business, mm -hmm. but we have had a long, lot of longevity in the business as well with you know, a lot of people being there five plus years and obviously we've been around eight years. So that's super... Um, it's big for us. It's yeah. big for us, yeah, to have those people. They're, they're like family to us, a lot of the people who work there because they have been on the journey and the ride with us. Mm. <coughs> we always, um, in terms of like who we hire, obviously they have to have an, a, the need for the role. We, as Dave said, we don't really hire unless there's an actual need, not for like off the, for the foreseeable future. It's like the, the need is now. Um, expansion in the teams has been huge over the last two years of, as Bali Body expands into more of a retail space you know, in 21 and 22 and continuing on, um, we've got a lot of retail growth plans globally, which obviously require a new team and a new yeah. <coughs> asset. It's a new that. skill set that we're not definitely not experts <coughs> at in any any way, shape, or form. So I need to come right. so bad. No, you're right. <coughs> Take your time. <coughs> Sorry. Um, <coughs> so yeah, and we've also hired recently in in more leadership roles and, and more managerial roles, which has taken a bit of a load off our shoulders, which is long overdue. Mm. It's, it's yeah, without that, you cannot grow, you can't expand. It's important to understand that, like, if you want to scale your business, you have to hire in the same scaling process. You can't have your business, you know, have this upward intake and then you expect to have the same staff and stay at that rate because it's impossible. Yeah, if you want to grow, you need a bigger team to manage that growth. You can't expect <laughs> the same staff to take on more and more and more work. That's not sustainable for anyone. Not healthy and they, they won't, the output won't be there as well. We talked back about output and... <clears throat> just taking example if you look at marketing being able to do five posts a day and have that you know initiative to create cool content that's exciting and capturing and going to actually make someone want to watch it that takes time and creativity and that's a mindset if you don't have that mindset or that time it'll just be a mediocre job and then just overworking people so identifying you know hiring in the right roles yeah mm. and you mentioned before <coughs> about your culture right which mm. it sounds and I, I, I love that because I know that it's something I've experienced, but it's like if you, like culture is why someone stays at a business long term. Yep. So um, do you guys, is it something that you consciously do now that you maybe didn't consciously do in the early days and you Absolutely. started to recognize, okay, these are the people, they have the values that we, we and we share these values and that's what makes it work? Yeah, definitely. For yeah. sure, that's 100% on the money. I think we've grown as, as we said, we weren't business people before this and we've grown into business leaders and uh, and you start to think about culture and um how we can retain staff over the years because it is so important like you've got this gun in a role and all of a sudden they say that they're moving on and it's shattering like you've put all this work in with them and they're so good at their role and you start asking questions like why are they leaving and that always comes back to i guess the sort of culture and the or are they overworked are they yeah there's so the, much you know, involved yeah we always try and make our workspaces aesthetically pleasing and not and come in that you know you feel like you're at home um, coming into the office it's light and airy and we spend a you know a lot of money in sourcing like making our offices feel homely for our staff and, and a really nice environment a nice place to work a yeah. nice place to work because that's super important for us and it's a part of the culture and you know over covid we lost that one-on-one -on -one, you know just mm. sitting having a conversation at the coffee machine you know those little conversations that you just have throughout the day rather than jumping onto a Zoom, which is a nightmare for us, you know, doing Zooms all day, work all night, that was a really hard period for, for the business, especially being a global business for all the different time zones and things like that to make that work over that period. 
um, but it's nice to have you know the staff in the office and you can catch up on you can you can get catch up socially as well as yeah and you can hear things work. that are you know <coughs> nuances are not necessarily someone might this this is happening at the office you can hear that over having a coffee rather than on a zoom and you can try and adapt to those things a lot more quickly from a cultural point of view um, and then managing the staff obviously we've grown as people that's what I was going to be my next <coughs> question what's your biggest learning in people management oh People are, people are fun. People are fun. <laughs> <laughs> in um, many ways. Yeah. No, <laughs> they're great. It is just everyone has their own needs and, and wishes and you have to try and be accommodating, but also it's your job to lead the business forward and obviously there's going to be disputes and clashes along the way when paths don't cross and it's trying to, to mediate between them and, and the business and work out, work, get a solution that works for both parties. And just understanding everyone's expect, I think expectations yeah, is a huge agree. thing in business, yep. and I think, so yeah, expectations from what they expect and what the business expects, and as leaders, what we expect, and if you can really align on those, and you know, we have regular catch-ups or KPI meetings and performance reviews, and just being open, open and honest communication is what um, keeps retention of staff, and having um, expectations met from both perspectives is what um, we feel. Yeah aligns and manages the staff well um as dave said like we're we're new to the, like at the start it was just dave and i so culture was like do this no i haven't done it yet <laughs> yeah. <Piss> do off. <laughs> yeah. go away like obviously and then as we grow you can't speak like that in front of everyone else and mm. you know we have to hey that's can you please do this for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that that's for sure um but yeah so just We've grown as people and, you know, we're not perfect. Everything we do isn't always right and it never will be because everyone has flaws and we just try our best and we, we really value the people we work with as family and we feel like the conversations that we have are pretty honest and, and that's how we like to, um, to work. I really do love that. My next question is, is related, um, <clears throat> but, but what does it take to become a better entrepreneur, right? So, so over time, mm. like what is your answer to that, you know? Um, you learning, guys are, yeah. learning. It's you never stop learning. I yeah, reckon. be open to admitting when you're not doing things the right way, and um, perhaps haven't done things the right way in the past, and and changing how you, how you do things too. And it, and it's um you know it's it's getting feedback from people about like this happened or how and then taking that on board, actually taking it on board rather than just listening to it and thinking yep, but actually taking the feedback and then changing whatever way it is or a process a procedure whatever happens. Um, mm. And then, yeah, growing with that and actually doing something with the feedback or whatever it might be to make your business and everything else more successful. I think learning to delegate is one of the major Huge. factors in growth as well. Yeah. At the start, you cling on to everything because you want to control it all. But you need to learn pretty quickly. And that's a part of quickly. the scaling process. Yeah, that if you want to grow, you need to delegate and, and trust in people because most of the time they can do it better than you can anyway. So if you can learn to let go and delegate quicker, then you're going to... Um, definitely be better off and back to the um, hiring mindset one of our key things <coughs> that we didn't touch on is that in the hiring process we always look for someone who can complete the job better than what Dave or I could like their skill set is you know so much better than in that specific role than what we could ever do so that's a part of you know having a believing in the people and they understand what their role is and it brings it back to expectations that if they think that they can fulfill that role and we're comfortable then there should be you know nice harmony Love it. There's so much value in, in this conversation already. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, I think, I think it's such a struggle for, you know, um, for everybody who does it for the first time. Like, you yeah. know, hiring, how do you find the right people? Then you've got to manage them. Then you've got to yeah. keep them happy. Then you've got yeah. to make sure that they're inspired yeah. to continue to work. And it's just yeah. like, you know, it, it's a forever. I think the thing you learn is it's forever ending. Yeah. Uh, it never it's ends. Never ends. No, yeah, never yeah, never ends. Yeah. Sorry. It's, yeah. it's. Forever, it's always you know? on. It's a always on strategy, yeah. And at the same time, like you can give some people everything they want, and some things will never be enough. And it's also identifying as a as a business leader that there is those types of people, and you can give as much as you can give, and some and you know things can never be enough. And that's really understanding being a business owner too. That it's not always roses, and not everyone's always going to get along. And don't be hard on yourself. Don't if, be hard on yourself. You know, you try and do everything work. you can, and they're not satisfied still then that's just the way it is and, and that's, why it is. that's yep. not the right place for them but um yeah generally our people are really great to work with and we love them yeah i was listening to jordan peterson on the weekend and he said um 
a quote that he said that I re- it really kind of struck me was, you know, if you a really easy way to f- to find out um, if someone's the right person or not is ask them what the vision for their life is. Because mm. if you if someone has a big enough vision for their life or something that means a lot for them, usually their work is tied right. in with it. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting that you say that. Um, yeah. Because I, I found that. Um, it's true. It's so true. You know, like you just it's, it was one of those things. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Makes sense. The last part of the podcast is mm-hmm. quick fire. Yeah. Um, it's not quick fire. Always have to preface this. It's it's slow fire. <laughs> okay. You, there's no, no no real change to your answers. Okay. Um, but they're questions that we there are a set of questions that we ask everybody. Sure. Um, that are, are, they are quite last broad. Night. Quick fire. She said we were doing some practice last night, and Laura said fire questions, and I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Start I love with the, him. I love the dedication, the practice. See? Mm. No matter what, we're always prepared. <laughs> Organization, preparation. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, so one piece of advice for your younger self. Each? Either or, yeah, each, each. <clears throat> uh, start a business or start your own thing as early as possible and be prepared to, for what it's going to take to make it successful. So be prepared to give it everything you've got because it's going to take it. I love it. What, just a quick one on that. Mm. So why, why should everyone start their own thing well it's not for everyone but it was for my younger self so um yeah for me the 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 journey has been really fulfilling and um it's given us a good uh, it's given you like a great life yeah it has definitely from a fulfillment point of view it's never something i'm going to regret um you know i was a carpenter before this and not that that's a bad job but for me this is a lot more enjoyable and i love that i'm my own boss and spend every day with me that's it. <laughs> yeah. Love that. <laughs> love it. Love it. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's a, I mean, and, and I think it's something you only recognize if you're in being in business yeah. and it's not necessarily like, yeah, there's great benefits and there's also a lot of hard a work of and hard a lot work. of shit yeah. that you have to yeah. deal with. But um, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I like if, if I'm going to be stressed, I'll, it's my own stress to deal with. Yeah, exactly. That makes yeah. Sense. Yeah, exactly. I'm making yeah. the stress myself, so <laughs> can't complain too much. Yeah, exactly. Oh, get it, girl. That's mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, basically, like, never never settle. Like, it, in my life, like, personally and business, I um, don't ever settle for just, like, okay, I'll always strive to do the best I can for anything that I do, whether it's riding a bike or reading a book or whatever. Like, I always try and fulfill everything for personally that it's the best I've done. Um, so, yeah, get it. Basically, go for it. Don't give up. That's mine. I love it. Very inspirational. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to someone who's just starting a business? Start. Oh, I think I covered that in my last answer slightly. Oh, answer it again. Uh, advice. Uh, offer, make sure that what you're offering is, has a point of difference and you're either giving something new or you're giving something that already exists but in a better way than your competitors are already doing. Um, watch your competitors closely as, as what they're doing is often, you know, things that you need to be doing yourself as, as a business owner. Um, yeah, that's it for that one. That's a tricky yeah, one for me. Right. Yeah, that's all right. It, it, you did cover a lot of it in the last one. Um, I think enjoy, enjoy the ride. Like mm, if you're about point. to start yep. something, like you've taken the effort to think and ready to do it. So enjoy it, like have fun with it. Um, yeah, when you hit those uh, milestones, we'll start to interrupt. But yeah, <laughs> stop and celebrate <laughs> along the way, which is something we didn't do that much, I don't think. Uh, yeah, stop and smell the roses. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so enjoy it um, and stick with it. Like it's not all, you know, it's not easy. It is hurdles, there is roadblocks, but if you believe in what you're doing, stick with it, keep at it and ask for help. Love it. Yep. Love it. Great advice. I think that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, ask for help, yeah. Ask for help. In, <laughs> and even in just enjoying the process, you yeah. know, at times it can definitely not be enjoyable. No. But mm. from a macro perspective, yeah. um, if you can, if you, I think learning to zoom out like mm. is one of the mm-hmm. things that for me is just like, okay, I'm really stressed. Mm. Let's just mm. yeah. zoom out. I read something about that. If you feeling stressed that you can keep zooming out I don't know where it was but you keep zooming out and you keep imagining your life like looking at above it and it's really relaxed have you heard about that yeah I actually did so I did something the other day um Ben Crow do you know Ben Crow no he's like Ash Barty's performance coach Uh, down that route but he's got an app and anyway 
I, I jumped on. He was on. zooming? No, he gets you to draw, draw, you draw a line and you actually draw the moments in your life. Yeah, okay. From like, you know, zero to where you are now. Wow. And like a timeline. Timeline, yeah. yeah cool. But you draw it, so you yeah. get imaginative. Um, but it was, for me, it's the same thing. It's like yeah. you just, you look and you go, yep, good time, good time, yeah. horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible, great. Yeah, good, 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 yeah. horrible, horrible. And it's like the idea that you can always write the next chapter. Exactly, yeah. You can always, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Love it, sure. which is what, what yeah. I got from what you were saying. Yeah. Um, last one. The most important trait that a founder must have for success and why? Organisation and dedication. Yeah, perseverance. Never give up, sort of never say die never, attitude. Yeah, yeah. It 100%. is a grind a lot of the time, especially in the early years. And yeah, be prepared to, to work your ass be off. strong. Because you're going to have to. Because, you know, shit happens. Everything one day everything's good the next day oh my god this has happened you've got to be resilient and strong to be able to um succeed mm, i think like it's definitely it's a slog like yeah. you know like in the early days it's just a slog it's yeah. it is yeah rejection yep uh you know things not working yeah yeah you know, problems when you, when you need them to work yeah now um but i definitely agree yeah. resilience um, and I think it's, I think it's not, it's, it's definitely difficult, you know, like to, like in hindsight, you, you can, can always say, say it. Be resilient. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I think you, you build resilience from lessons, lessons, learning yeah. about yourself yeah. and, and those kind of things. So, yeah. Um, and that's why it's so important to do everything as much as you can yourself. Cause that's exactly right. You build resilience from those lessons mm. and you grow and then shit that happens another month might not seem as, you know harsh as what it did the month before because you've gone through that but um yeah definitely resilience yep almost zooming out in real time zooming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah take a step guys back. i want to say a massive thank, thank you. you there's thank so you. much value in that um and a massive congrats on, on, on the thank amazing you. business that you've built and Thanks. and um you know uh best of luck with and not that not that you're going to need it but always with need always, the future yeah. um yeah, and, and everything that you do in the future where can everybody find you guys uh, individually in the brand as well my Instagram's Falski and... Yeah, mine's Dave Oost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. And it's Barley Body. Barley Body, yeah. which they've probably seen and, and bought from before. So, Hopefully. no, Hopefully, but a massive yeah. thank you. Thank um, you. I appreciate, appreciate your time. It. I know you guys are busy business owners um, and, and building an empire. <laughs> so, I do appreciate your time. And Mardo, thanks for putting this thanks, together. Carl. Thanks, thanks Mardo. Mardo. To our lovely listeners uh, and community, um, it's crazy to think about that it's, you know, we're a... We're a another year in but um, without you guys we don't get to have amazing conversations with amazing people so um, really appreciate the support for the whole year we're, we're not done yet so we got a, uh, we're almost there um, but you know really hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week